My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to OurSundaySchoolClass.com. As Jim said, uh, my name is Josh Landers, and uh, I had the privilege of teaching this class in October, and we did uh, Romans, uh, Romans 15, 8 through 13. And uh, that was titled, Christ, the Hope of the Jews and the Gentiles. And uh, this lesson today, Acts 10 through 11, goes hand in hand with that concept. So uh, if you're turning in your Bibles, go ahead and get to Acts 10 and 11, because we're going to read it real quick. Um, also, I also went back and tried to listen to my own podcast uh, <laughs> before this, so I didn't realize how country I sounded, so <laughs> I apologize to all of our northern podcast listeners that uh, this sounds this way. So, yeah, thank you. So anyway, let's, uh, let's read together. Acts 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. And this was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he walked with them, he went in and found many who had come together. 
And he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, For what reason have you sent me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he had commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So while Peter was still working, still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in the order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners and it came to me when I observed it intently and considered I saw four-footed animals of the earth wild beasts creeping things and birds of the air and I heard a voice saying to me rise Peter kill and eat but I said not so Lord for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth but the voice answered me again from heaven what God has cleansed you must not call common now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord, and how he said, John indeed baptized with water, 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So, that's the text. Um, so this is kind of an oddball Sunday school lesson where it's just one Sunday school lesson, so we're not doing several weeks in a row. So we need to go back and do a little bit of history of where we're at and why we're there. So um, a little bit of Old Testament framework here. So beginning with Adam and Eve in the creation story, the framework that God operated in, that he placed people in a specific place, and he engaged with them in that place. So the Old Testament is virtually devoid of missionaries. Uh, Jonah was one, and he hated it. And the Old Testament framework was that God was with a particular people in a particular place. In the tabernacle and the temple, they were built to house the glory of God in the presence of God, God in a place. So regularly, people were sent out to call back the nation to repentance and to remember the law. Think of them as internal missionaries. But only rarely would prophets be sent out to other nations. So the normal construct was God was in Israel. If you want to experience him, you have to go to Israel. So the impact of this is seen in the way that the Israelites viewed the other nations in the New Testament. They despised them. And from the Romans, which was understandable, and to the Samaritans, the Jews, um, they viewed God as for them and for them alone. Look at how many times that Jesus was ridiculed for uh, socializing with those on the outside. So to cement this further, when Jesus came, he came for Israel first. However, when Jesus died was buried and rose again, he left us with the Holy Spirit. And this forced his followers to see things differently. It changed everything. This is a God always with us, the framework, and, uh, and it was a framework that was not present in the Old Testament. This was the permanent indwelling of God in us as opposed to permanently indwelling a place. A stationary God was the idea in the Old Testament, and now a mobile God was the idea after the resurrection of Jesus. This new framework, it, it illustrates that God moves with us, and this view of God was for wherever we went. The view of God was not just for Israel. So this changed everything, and this, helps, this view helps to illustrate that the gospel is for everyone. Now, the book of Acts, it's, it's a historical record of the transition period from the sacrificial system to the new church age. And God gets out of Israel in Acts. In Acts 10 to 11, it illustrates the shift. Um, after Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, we see apostles begin to understand that things are now different. And, and to be honest, it, it takes them a while to get it. So remember that we're still very on in the, in the history of the church. And Simon Peter is just now coming to grips with the idea that the gospel is for everyone. Now, to Simon Peter's credit, once he gets a hold of this idea, he really understood it, and he understood that everything needed to change. Everyone is now a possible convert, and Jesus came for everybody. We continue to see in the writings of the apostles and the authors of the New Testament, it radically shifts the mindset of all the followers of the one true God. And a meeting takes place in Acts 10 and 11, between Peter and Cornelius, and God uses this story to teach Peter a very fundamental truth about God's good news. The salvation through Jesus Christ is for everyone, not just a select group of insiders. And the kingdom of heaven is open to all who believe in Jesus Christ. And this has very powerful ramifications for the church. 
So we're going to go into what do the words mean. And um, I didn't use a PowerPoint today because I want everybody to visualize in your mind the human element of this text. So put your people, <laughs> put yourself in the people's shoes. I was going to put sandals, but that's probably too dry of a joke. Okay. We tend to read the text robotically. So there's a robot Cornelius and a robot Peter, but these were very, very real people, and they're getting their world shaken by the truth that the gospel is for everyone. So let's go back through the text and read it alive. So there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion. Now this is of the Roman army, of what was called the Italian regiment. And then a devout, which is pious or or God-fearing man, and one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms, which is charity, generously to the people, and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, which is 3 p.m. of day one, he saw clearly in a vision an angel, which is a messenger of God, coming in and saying to him, Cornelius! So the explanation point here, it seems to make you think that it was shouted or, or spoken forcefully. And when he observed him, he was afraid. And this word is in phobos. It means terrified. So don't lose the meaning of this word and, and think about when you have truly been terrified. A few summers ago, Katie and Ike and I, we were sitting on our back deck and we were watching a, st a summer storm roll in. And boom! Lightning struck a tree right behind us. It was less than 15 feet away. Bark flew off and hit us. We were terrified. We were dumbfounded. And, and we ran away. We were running and we were like crying and screaming. <laughs> and it, it takes a while after something like that to, you, for, to even get your senses back to where you're coherent. So while Cornelius was terrified, he said, what is it, Lord? And this is uh, Kyrios. It's a lowercase l. It's, uh, it doesn't mean it's not someone Cornelius is sub, it's someone who's subject to, but it's not God. So now picture Cornelius saying, what is it, Lord, but terrified and possibly even shaking. So he, the angel, said to him, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial, a reminder, a remembrance offering before God. So now send men to Joppa, that's 30 miles to the south, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants, a devout, now this is the exact same Greek word that was used to describe Cornelius, soldier, from him, from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things, he sent them to Joppa. Now, the next day, day two, as they, Cornelius' people, went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter, now there's a scene shift here, we're not with Cornelius' men anymore, now with Peter. He went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour at noon. And then he became hungry and he wanted to eat. So my family, we get hangry. We are the definition of hangry. I get lightheaded and I feel that I'm, I'm like looking through a monocular and I get singularly focused on that hunger and I block everything else out. So what's great here is that God's timing, he uses one of the most basic instincts to get Peter's attention. So while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth. There were wild beasts, 
creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So I was reading this story to my son, and um, he's six. And afterward, I asked him, I said, um, So why do you think God showed Peter the animals in his vision? And I was waiting on him to say, I don't know, Daddy. And I was going to pre preach to him and you know, disciple him. And he says, well, because Peter was hungry. And I'm like, well, yes, that's exactly right. That he was hungry, and that helped lead to the vision. And, and then while I was thinking about it, he then said, well, if I was there, Daddy, I would shoot a donkey and eat it. So I was like, okay. I, I didn't know how to keep going from that. We just, we just we moved on. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And, and this means ceremonially impure. Peter was an obedient Jew, and he held to the dietary constraints of the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, his sacrifice overcame those bonds of the law and set the Jews free from it. But Peter here is obviously struggling with it. So then a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times. So it almost implies that Peter said no a second and possibly even a third time. So would denying God's wishes three times or being told something three times have held some special significance to Peter possibly? Like you can hear the rooster crowing. And then the object was taken up into heaven again. So now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision that he had seen meant, and the King James Version here says, he doubted in himself what it meant, which actually leans more toward he knew exactly what it meant, but didn't want to accept it. And behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. This is day two. And they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. So while Peter thought about this vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. So the Spirit here is saying, Peter, you doubt what you saw, but do not doubt this. So doesn't he know our hearts and our minds? And he says, For I have sent them. And then, boom, Peter's back. But he's dumbfounded, probably, and confused from being in this trance. He's been completely oblivious to the world. And he's been just told to go with three men. And he hears them calling for him. On top of all of that, one of these is a Roman soldier. So even though I have nothing to hide, I still get nervous around police officers. I don't have anything to hide anymore. <laughs> so... Uh, can you imagine who is probably shaking and now terrified? So Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he who you seek, but for what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. So this appears to be spoken so that it puts Peter at ease. And I'm sure that Peter was visibly shaken at this point and needed that. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, day three, Peter went away with them and some brethren, there are others that went with him, from Joppa and they accompanied him. 
On the following day, day four, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. And when Peter came in, now this is Peter who had seen Christ crucified by Roman, sol Roman soldiers is now entering a Roman soldier's house. And he met him, Cornelius, the Roman soldier, met him and fell down at his feet and started worshiping Peter. But Peter lifted him up saying, look, stand up. I myself am also a man. And that's translated human being. So can you imagine just the wonder and the relief that, that Peter must have felt after feeling all these doubts and the confusion and the, concerning the vision and now the trepidation of dealing with these Roman soldiers. And as he talked with them, he went in and found that there were many who had come together. And he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So common and unclean here are the exact same words used for the animals in Acts 10 to 14. Peter has had over a day now to process and to pray about what all has transpired. And now Peter's gleaned understanding from the vision and he sees value in those that are not like him. So therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent me? So Cornelius, the Roman soldier, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me bright, which is Lamprose, uh, radiant, magnificent clothing. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea, and when he comes, he will speak to you. And this is an exact, almost word-for-word -word retelling of Acts 10, 4-6. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. And I'm pretty sure now, you know, Peter at this point, he's thinking about what the Spirit said to him in verse 20. It says, Arise, therefore, go down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And these Gentiles, they want to know the truth, and, and Peter is here, and he is supposed to tell them. So then Peter opened his mouth. And, and I see this as like happening in slow motion, and it's all coming together inside of Peter. And, and the Gentiles are about to hear the salvation story, and this is the beginning for us as Gentiles. And he says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. And there's serious ramifications from this statement. Peter sees that all men are loved by God. But every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, is accepted by him. So again, national boundaries here are irrelevant to God's kingdom. And Jim quoted this two weeks ago, John Piper. said, one day, America and all its presidents will be a footnote in history, but the kingdom of Jesus will never end. So the word, he, this is Peter still, still, still speaking. He says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through, throughout all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, 
not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with Him after He arose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is He who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him, all the prophets witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remissions of sin. The truth, the gospel, the good news has just been told to the Gentiles. So while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit that fell upon those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, which is the Jews, who, they were, who believed, they were astonished. This is existimai. They were put out of their wits, insane. They were beside themselves. And as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. The Holy Spirit is for all the believers. For they heard them speak with tongues, which is different languages, and magnify God. And the Jews just saw visible evidence that the gospel is for everyone. So this is another big boom moment. They were simply amazed and astonished. And this was truly something new. So then Peter, most likely smiling and shaking with excitement, he answered, can anybody forbid water? For these should not be baptized who receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. And the Gentile believers are seen as the same as the Jewish believers in the eyes of God, and they're all blown away by it. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So baptism is for all believers. Then they asked him to stay for a few days, and I can only imagine that they probably had a couple of things to discuss, like Jesus and a first-hand account of his life and death. Can you imagine getting to hang out and hear that? Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, the Jews, they contended, they, they opposed, or they doubted, they judged, saying, you went into uncircumcised men, the Gentiles, and you ate with them. You broke the rules of these modern-day religious leaders. But Peter explained it to them in, in order from the very beginning. And I'm sure that Peter was a fantastic speaker, but I imagine that uh, Peter was really excited and he really wanted to tell the story and get it all out. He says, I was in the city of Joppa and praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. And When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, there were wild beasts and creeping things and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean at any time has entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at the very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea, then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren, and I'm, I can imagine how he's pointing at these guys saying, they were with me too. They saw all of this. And they accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, 
the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. So all of this probably happens in slow motion too, and Peter helps them to remember what they experienced at Pentecost. And that wonderful experience starts to rush back to him, and now they are like us, and us is redefined here. And then Peter says, I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Peter is beginning to connect these theological thoughts that, that his rabbi had been teaching with him in the work of the Holy Spirit. And if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when he believed, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? So God is doing something new here. And Peter says, I had better not get in the way. The gospel is for everyone. And when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So yes, we get it too. So don't you see that, that this changes everything? And all the apostles understand now that the gospel is for everyone. And, and they understand why Jesus ate with sinners and they hung out with outcasts. Because Jesus came for sinners and he came for outcasts too. And Jesus came for us. So, some big takeaways here. Uh, skin color doesn't matter to the gospel. Um, nationality doesn't matter to the gospel. Religions, denominations, language, accents, they don't matter to the gospel. Physical disability, ethnicity, social class does not matter to the gospel. Employment status doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. And gender and gender identity don't matter to the gospel. Uh, are there any repeated words? Yes, there's a lot. You can read them. You, God, Peter, and them, and they. So what do we do with this? Well, how do we apply this? What do we do with it in our life? Um, and the first point is, Everyone except for Jesus has or had theological de deficiencies. Um, Peter obviously had a theological deficiency where he thought that Jesus only came for the Jews. But be open and have your theology tweaked by God because none of us have it all 100% correct. And we can learn by Peter's example here. Uh, second, God's wisdom and his plan are amazing. So be amazed and stand in awe. And the last is that the gospel is for everyone. In case we haven't said that yet, I think it was in here once or twice, but let's, let's go through it clearly. The, there's only one gospel, and if you monkey with it, it's no longer the gospel. The gospel, that's the good news of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, is we need the gospel before we are saved. And at the moment of salvation, every moment thereafter, the gospel will always be important. Four, the gospel has a purpose and is not to remain wrapped up in a track, is, is to be shared directly, explicitly, and verbally with everybody on the planet. Everyone. You, me, everyone. Alive now, everyone who's ever been alive, or everyone that will live after us, it is for everyone. Because everyone will live in heaven or in hell for all of eternity. 
And the stakes are too high to put boundaries on gospel when the gospel's reached. So what do we do with that? Well, we see everyone is savable. Rich, old, young, poor, talented, straight, gay, unsure, intelligent, annoying, mean, tattoos, nose rings, and share, that's the inside joke, but share with everyone that the gospel is for everyone. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.